Hello, welcome to Overburden, the podcast for postal workers. I'm Kevin Hitchings. And I'm Brandy Hughes. Today, um, I convinced Kevin that we were going to talk about uh, Canada Post pandemic response. Um, I'm feeling like we're two plus years into the COVID-19 pandemic and I'm feeling reflective about it. Yeah, a lot of it I think uh, everyone's kind of aware of. We've all lived through it. Some people are a little bit newer may not have realized what a fiasco has been at this, especially at the start <laughs> and some of the weird things the corporation has done and some of the things they've tried to do with L. Josh that a lot of members may not be aware of. I think there's also a lot of a lot of information out there that maybe hasn't been uh, accessible at the same level throughout the country, maybe because of uh, just some areas having different experiences. Uh, obviously, some places have been declared outbreak uh, uh, facilities at certain points in time. And uh, some places have had, you know, a lot less cases and a lot less uh use of the quarantine leave program and um yeah so I think I think that there's just a lot of instances where people didn't need to know certain things so they maybe didn't look it up and uh there's probably things we never looked up because it didn't happen here or we didn't know it happened <laughs> when the corporation likes to try and hide things sometimes like earlier mm-hmm. earlier last year I believe uh the Sastoon processing plant had I think it ended up being 23 cases and Canada Post denied that there was an outbreak in the plant because none of the people asked said they specifically got it at work therefore all 23 people could have got it outside of work at the same time but when they were telling people or asking people where they got it they reminded them that um, short-term disability pays more than WCB does and if they got it from work they'd have to go through WCB so basically saying well, where did you get it? And if you say work, you get paid less. So they wouldn't have to say they got it at work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that kind of stuff. That was December of last, of 2020? Yeah, 2020. 2020, okay. Yeah. It was right before Christmas. And I remember them asking, uh, well, there was this, essentially this outbreak happening at our plant. Um they were asking those of us in the letter carrier depots to volunteer to work overtime on the weekends um, at the plant. And it was like, hey, you just told me that 20 plus people have tested positive for COVID-19 and how many others are isolating due to having worked with them. Why would I want to walk into that for any amount of money? Right. <laughs> so some people did. I mean, but well, one of the problems there, too, is they were saying they don't have to include L. Josh in any investigation and uh, they cleaned the areas that they deemed were a problem, but at the same time saying there is no problem because none of them got it at work, and they didn't involve Canada Post at all, or sorry, didn't involve L. Josh at all. And I can't remember how we eventually got them to even give us any information at all. I think we went to WCB or to some government agency and kind of forced them to eventually. Uh, it was public health. Had was it? No, I think they brought the. ESDC, Employment and Social Development yeah. Canada, in to do an inspection because they've been doing, they do work site inspections of, uh, and they were doing them for places that were considered outbreak to make yeah. sure that they were compliant with COVID-19 protocols and that proper cleaning was taking place and that the PPE was in place, right? Yeah, and then the report they eventually turned over was essentially, I think it was three lines that said, yeah, we checked it and everything was good. But, <laughs> you know, there was many deficiencies we pointed out, but... 
That's really funny because I remember having our, um, what is she, HRBP, uh, Human Resources Business Partner, come in and do her little inspection that she had to do right. um, for the higher-ups. And she gave us a horrible score. And, you know, you're not doing this right, and you're not doing that right, and people aren't wearing their masks enough and, and all of that. And uh, it was just funny that they can send us, give us this report that's supposed to be more official from the government that says, yeah, whatever, it's fine. And then their own reports say that it's not fine. Right. But then again, their own report would be blaming the employees, whereas the ESDC's report would be blaming the employer. Right. Uh, yeah, it's normal stuff you'd expect from the employer. I know at one point, too, they came in, they did a workplace analysis, I forget what they called it, but they wanted L. Josh to go over with them and evaluate the uh, safety procedures in the depot. Mm-hmm. And they kept going. They said, well, what do you guys feel about this particular thing? And we would say, well, it's sort of good, but we have all these problems. And she just said, well, it's just a yes or no. And you can comment on reasons why at the end. So we went through and said, okay, yes, but we're going to put a lot of qualifications on this. And then we got through the end and she's like, okay, we got like a 85 or 90, whatever. So we definitely passed because you only needed a certain score. And we're done. And I said, well, no. What about all these comments? She goes, oh, there's no place on the report for that. Yeah, it's like, well, then I a lot of these that. yeses are noes. Yeah. And she's like, no, it's too late. And claimed that the depot passed something we really never should have passed. Um, so that's the kind of reason why employees don't trust the employer. Well, and I think that one of the reasons that our facility wouldn't pass, and I know we're not the only ones there uh, having this problem, like, cause I know I've heard of it from a lot of other locals and a lot of, especially smaller facilities, uh, that the cleaning is just dismal. Like it's, there's, there's a contract to have the, the building cleaned, but there's like nothing happening. And then they talk about how, um, if there's a case of COVID-19, you're supposed to disinfect and do all these extra things. Well, they're not even doing the basic things. No, they're not even cleaning the men's washroom. Like, no, I know our, our lunchroom's disgusting. The like, if you want to um, turn something gray, go and rub it on the floor between the cases in our depot. It's gross. Like, it's just yeah. it's there's so much dust. But washrooms are pretty basic, and they're not even I doing know. that. So well, and do you remember at one point in our facility they said, well, uh, since COVID is such a concern, everyone should wipe down the bathroom after each use with these um, disinfectant wipes. Like they essentially wanted us to clean our own bathroom. And it's like, that's not part of the job description. You didn't hire us to do yeah. that. And actually you have a contract with someone who's supposed to be cleaning this every not day. Not after every use, but... Every yeah. day though. Yeah. And I mean, like we don't even need to worry about shifts in ours because there's only really one shift. It's a day shift, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, there's actually a really... Uh, I got a hold of the uh, the levels of cleaning that are supposed to happen in uh, JLL managed facilities, which we are one of. And I know JLL is uh, in a lot of places, not everywhere, though. There are other uh, contractors that do cleaning in different provinces. Um, and so, yeah, like there's there's basic cleaning that's supposed to be happening every day. Um, and then there's extras that are supposed to happen if uh if somebody tests positive or if somebody's uh presumed positive so they don't have a positive test result but they have symptoms and there are different levels in this document it'll say in this type of facility and you do this and this type of facility you do this and it depends on the flooring and and whatnot 
but they also like to cherry pick. Sometimes they'll say we're this type of facility and sometimes we're like the same facility they'll classify somewhere else depending on what they want to do. Yeah, I find it interesting that like, for for instance, when, when the employees are presumed positive, but they don't have a, a test result yet, just get trying to get extra cleaning has to be approved by your general manager, but you have to go above their head if the if the person uh, has been at work in the last week and actually has COVID. I'm going to assume that's because of a, a previous thing, I, like anything over a certain dollar value probably has to be approved at a higher level, and I'm guessing that's why. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah, probably. Yeah, and it think, probably is quite expensive. Sorry, but you'd think during COVID they would say, accept in this situation, go ahead and just do it. Yeah. But, I don't know. That's just my my guess. I find it really funny that like the basic daily touch point cleaning, it it has all these things that I wish they cleaned these in our facility. Um doorknobs, light switches, cover plates, uh faucets, toilets in the bathrooms, uh the partitions between toilets in the bathrooms, the doors and the doorknobs, the fridge in your lunchroom, the microwave door handles and buttons, the tabletops, the vending machine buttons, the drinking fountain. Uh, time clock. I, I know that at least in our plant, they stopped using the time clock and I believe they're still not using it. Like they're, they're just not punching no in and out it. anymore because nobody wants to touch it and they don't want to congregate around it at mm. shift change. Right. If anybody needs a copy of this list too, just send us an email at overburdenpod at gmail.com and Bran will send it over to you. Um, I just read it out because I found it entertaining how little of that we actually see in our facility. And that's supposed to be like regular, normal, everyday cleaning during the pandemic. That's not even because someone tested positive. Um, When someone tests positive, I know they're using, it's called uh, Unitab Dustbane. It's a tablet-based disinfectant. It's it's essentially like airborne bleach. Uh, So they mix it with water and they spray it. Yeah, vaporize it. Yeah. And then um, there's a lot of there's a lot of disagreement, at least in our local, about how soon people should go back into a facility after that. They're going strictly off the MSDS, the I forget what it stands for, the workplace hazardous material sheets, and they say 15 minutes. So it's kind of hard to argue that, but uh, you can definitely smell it in the air a lot stronger uh, than you could if you would have waited half an hour. I don't think an extra 15 is unreasonable. Uh, and after 45, I don't notice it. My nose isn't very sensitive. Right. Well, yeah, and then I've heard I've heard other people say that they do notice it even an hour or two later. So, it, different people are have different sensitivities for sure. Uh, our management tends to argue that 15 minutes is enough, uh, but I find it interesting that the times that I've seen people exposed after that shorter period of time, you do see a lot of the, the side effects that, that they list as headaches mostly yeah. possible side effects. Yeah. It's, it's headaches, difficulty breathing, um, sneezing, itchy eyes, that kind of thing. Uh, even skin irritations can happen. Yeah. Um, the 15 minutes theoretically is enough time for the wet substance to dry on a surface. But, um, I feel like there's probably still a lot in the air and that's what we're reacting to. You're right. 15 minutes after it's a surface, but if it hasn't hit a surface yet. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the other arguments against uh, whether it's truly effective is because uh, you spray it and of course everything that it touches, yeah, good. But what about all the things that it didn't, didn't hit, you know, like the, the back corner of the sortation case or the underside of something or the handle on something, you know, cause everybody doesn't just grab the front of the handle. Oh, the other thing that really got me was they were saying when you use these these spray disinfectants that prior to disinfecting, you should wipe down 
uh, touch points first in the area, like just to make sure they're thoroughly clean before you spray. So if we go back to the beginning of the pandemic, the corporation's response was basically to ignore most of it. Oh, yeah. Um, with union pressure, we had them institute the six-foot gap. In our depot, that meant making two separate shifts, so only half the people were in the depot at a time. Um, and basically wear masks was their thing, but they weren't providing anything right. for masks at the start. They basically refused to. And uh, National eventually... Um, convince them that they had to supply it if they were going to make it mandatory equipment mm -hmm. they had to provide it which i believe is a legal obligation of theirs yeah so, it's considered ppe personal protective yeah. equipment at this point so then they provided really thin poorly made fabric masks which in no way um, met any requirement they claimed it was equivalent but there's no way uh, just by looking at them that i can see that they did and level one uh, medical masks, which are the lowest grade, of course. And in the Prairie region, at least, initially they refused to provide those medical masks that you had to wear their cheap fabric ones. Right. Basically because the fabric ones were so cheap, they were cheaper than the disposable ones. Mm -hmm. um, and it took us probably a month before they basically caved on that but they were flat out denying and they were told by national like no you have to do this and they still weren't doing it just in blatant disregard it just shows their complete complete lack of respect for the workers and their safety that you know has become pretty common here at least well i think all the way along the corporation's been trying to off uh offload the responsibilities to the worker it's not new it's something they always do but um i think in this case where where it's so obviously a health and safety um, thing, it's, I guess it just offends you that they're, they have such disregard for the labor code, you know, like not even the way, not even the articles in our collective agreement, but so many of the things they've done just show no, no respect for their responsibilities under the labor code. Yeah. One of the problems there is that anytime you go to a government agency over anything, they always say, well, did you use the union first? But the union process takes so long sometimes. Because mm, it's a process. Right. And there are <laughs> ways that you can bypass that. But it's also much harder and more intensive. And people don't want to do that in most cases. Mm. So it's problematic. Uh, it's hard to hold them to account without a member really wanting to go above and beyond to do that. And they know this and they abuse this. Um, at pretty much all levels, like the whole grievance procedure is set up to favor the employer and to be slow. You know, like how many mm -hmm. times have you heard someone being just blatantly wronged, but having to wait two years for a payment that usually isn't even the full payment. Yeah, it seems like local management seems to get some kind of sick joy out of blatantly ripping someone off or, or mistreating them. or. Well, the idea is to punish somebody, whether they're right or not, just to assert their authority. Right. Yeah, and I'm sure it probably feels great to feel like you're um, more powerful than someone else. But right. um, yeah, there so many members get so frustrated with it when it's like, okay, well, we'll grieve it and, and you know, try to get it made right. But it, of course, they never agree to those ones at first level because 
um, they're the ones who did the wrong to begin with. You're talking to local management. They're the ones who made those decisions. Right. They're not going to go, oh, I'm sorry, I was wrong. No, they think they were right. Yeah, and I bring that up to say, like, uh, a lot of people come to the union and they say, why is this health and safety issue not being addressed forever? It is. We try. It's just a lot of the times slow and the employer has a lot of resources just to stall stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they would much rather stall to save 50 cents than to protect your health and safety in a lot of cases. Yeah. They do that a lot with snow roads right now. They just try and stall until things melt and they just refuse to even investigate blatant hazards. Well, we all know that by May it won't be a problem, right? Right, which is a lot of times their answer, <laughs> sadly. And they flat out said it a few times. Yeah. Um, so um, when you were speaking to the mask thing and how they introduced their really cheap, thin masks, I think what was really offensive to me personally about that is that I'd gone out and bought multiple layer masks, uh, you know, re- reusable cloth ones that I could wash. Um and, you know, they weren't cheap. No. So a lot of us had invent, invested, like I think, to for my whole family, I've probably invested a couple hundred dollars just in masks. Well, the saddest honestly. thing there is right from the start, the government was recommending these N95 masks, and which is what we asked for. Mm-hmm. And their response was, yes, N95 is recommended, but the ones we're giving you meet the absolute minimum. Right. <laughs> and I'm like... Thanks. That shows the level of respect for your employees again. Love you too. <laughs> but what's even worse is people would come with N95s and they would say, if you're going to try and wear those, go home because we're not accepting them. Those are the recommended by the government, by the health officials, by everybody saying these are the ones you need. And the corporation is saying, nope, just to enforce our will, you know, just to, you know, show that they have some kind of authority to make themselves feel important or something. They're disallowing that. And uh, we had a, a member buy a $300 special mask that oh, was yeah. certified to be well above. And they said, nope, it's not our pe- cheap piece of junk. It was, a, it was a face shield and mask. It was like a respirator. Like, it was a nice piece of kit. Yeah. But um, and they wouldn't let them wear it. Yeah, they said, we don't care if that's safer for you. You have to wear our junk just to enforce their will. I don't know how you could ever possibly justify that. And... Uh, yeah, we're it gonna make you less safe just to enforce our will. Yeah, it made no logical sense. So yeah, and and they their excuse was that well we want everyone wearing the same mask so we can tell at a glance that you're all wearing the proper mask and it meets our requirements. Um, if you're if you've been paying attention to the mask uh, <laughs> story, uh, you may have uh, seen an article. I I think it first appeared in the Winnipeg Free, Winnipeg Free Press about the member there who went to work with an N95 on uh, just this January in 20... I think it was January or was it December? Uh, recently. Yeah, it was It was like right after Christmas. Um, um, I think it was January 2022 and got sent home and essentially suspended for wearing an N95. Right. And... Uh, since that time, uh, I've been told that management is now allowing us to provide our own N95s, but well, they are asking that we wear their cloth mask over top. Yeah, and only because it blew up in the press at right. all. And their cloth mask would never form a seal over an N95 anyway. No, and it so. might disrupt the seal of the N95 because that's the whole reason that they are more effective is that they uh, they can be fitted. If they're properly fitted, they can be fitted tighter to your face and so there's no gap. Yeah, and if you compress them, essentially putting another mask on top of them, not only does that 
second mask's not sealed, but you might be ruining the seal of the N95. So again, they're mm -hmm. making things less safe just to, I don't know how you even describe it, just to force their their will to prove they can kind of thing. Um, some facilities are probably seeing the rollout of the level two medical mask. Is that which, what it's called? Yeah, which are supposed to be required now. They After this, this uh, thing came out in the media, Canada Post within, a, I think, a two weeks probably, uh, kind of altered their story. Said, oh no, these were always available, but we'll make them mandatory kind of thing. They weren't available beforehand. Um, you probably all have them all in your depots now. If you don't, you should be demanding them. If they're still trying to use up those old white or old level ones, you can only really tell by looking at the side of the box. It'll tell you if you're level one or two. The twos are a slightly more, um, uh, slightly brighter color of blue. But unless they're side by side, you can't really tell that much. I was actually reading up on the the levels of mask, and apparently there's a level three that's supposed to be more um, watertight, like less uh, moisture can get through. Right. But it's drastically better than the ones and the twos is basically what it is, because the ones and the twos, uh, the twos are supposed to be better at um, uh, stopping... Um, particles from getting through whereas the threes are actually somewhat moisture proof right um but but as with any mask of course the fit is the most important part and uh you know there there's lots of different tricks i've seen on youtube videos and just friends showing me stuff and of like ways to twist it on your ear or tie a little knot on the side or um if you look at our um our local has a health and safety page uh, on Facebook and I actually shared a video there a couple of weeks ago that I just found and it was how to make your level two mask fit better on your face by um, it's like you tie a knot in the sides and then and then it and then you tuck it in so that it seals the gap that you get at the side of your cheek towards your ear if that's a problem for you maybe check that out or or look for other videos online there's all kinds of stuff there um, one of the arguments that management used to, against the N95s was also that the fit really should be inspected by a, a qualified professional, and they said it was not feasible for them to pay someone to um Which is odd, because they're much easier every, to fit than these other ones. Usually, yeah. Like, it's mostly the nose bridge is what you can alter, right? So, yeah, and that all you really need to do is pinch it. But the, the cheeks and the under the chin or the chin area, sticks in, yeah. yeah, they're much, much easier to fit. And if you want to test your mask and see if it's fitting well, um, you can try blowing a puff of air out in it. And if your mask swells up, you have a pretty good seal. But if it doesn't and it all just comes out the sides or the bottom or the top, that's not a good sealed mask, right? You're just making stuff bounce off your mask and out into the air. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so maybe maybe a little less effective <laughs> there's the cleaning fiasco there's the mask fiasco what else have they failed at uh, <laughs> i think we should probably quickly talk about quarantine um we've been told by again our i forget what they call their business partner health and safety person that the contract specifically says that there's a 10-day maximum on quarantine pay which is funny because they used to say it was 14. Yeah, which is, well, 10 business days, 14 calendar days. Right. Which is absolute garbage. Anyone who's even glanced at that section of the CA knows that's not true. There is no limit. It says as long as you are told by a medical professional to isolate. Yeah, medical professional or health authority yeah. to, to quarantine, you get quarantine pay. So right now, 
Um, it used to be 14 days or 15 days. Now they've changed it to 10 uh, is their maximum. And then they try and put you on short-term disability instead. Uh, the reason they're doing that obviously is to offload the cost onto the insurance company. Mm-hmm. But one of the problems is that you get paid 70% mm-hmm. rather than 100% of your wage. Right. So, um, which I don't think would be that big a problem if they would pay you that additional 30 and top you up. Like we wouldn't oh, care where great. it comes from. Yeah. And that would save them grievances and stuff later. But of course, they're cheap and trying to abuse their ignore the collective agreement. So after 10 days, they're trying to put everyone on short-term disability. If they try and do this to you, you don't really have much choice. Because if you don't, they're just not going to pay you. Um, so go through the short-term disability uh, process. Uh, there's a kit. If you just go online, click on the I'm an employee section and log in on the website. Uh, there's, I believe it's called Other Resources is the, is the link. And the SDT, STDP kit is the only thing in there. Or was anyway last time I looked. Download that kit and follow the rules. It's pretty straightforward. You can also get one from your team leader or supervisor. Yeah, of course. A little hard though if you're quarantined. Not a big deal. But you kind of have to go through that process. But then you should immediately be filing a grievance as well. There's a national policy grievance. So it basically means a national is grieving on behalf of the whole country. And they just need names to add their files. So you do a grievance. Uh, your grievance officer will forward it to national. And they'll add you into this pool. Yeah, it's uh, it's still important for you to file your agreements, though. Yeah, and you'll get that 30, hopefully get that 30% of pay that you're missing back later. I can't possibly see how the corporation is going to weasel the way out of this. But again, I, I can't see why they're not topping up in the first place. But I'm sure they have some... They're just leaving you on quarantine pay. Right? Yeah, I can't see... I can't see them doing it without having some trick up their sleeve. Like, they're going to check with their their lawyers and they probably have something they're going to attempt but really just keeping the money in their bank account and adding a little bit of interest to it or whatever mm-hmm. that might be their when they're that, doing it to thousands of people yeah that might be their goal too is just to hold the money in the account a little longer and to so they can kind of fudge the book and offsite off uh offload their losses into the next calendar year or whatever well and i think who knows uh correct me if i'm wrong but i think most people who have any experience with short-term disability program know that it often uh has a lot of inconsistencies in your pay and that your pay stubs can get really messed up really messed uh where they'll pay you and then they'll claw money back and then they'll uh, they i mean there's lots of ways they claw money back but it seems to be especially uh ridiculous on short term because they'll claim that they overpaid you or something and then decide to take all your paychecks for a while it's usually not that bad if you're on sdtp but if you're going back and forth between wcb and sdtp because something was pending or something got approved or denied and then approved later that jumping back and forth just causes a mayhem in your pay and that program it honestly it seems to be designed to cause stress to the uh affected person you know who's trying to get it approved because it's always like fill out this form and send it in and we'll make a decision and then you can appeal it and it's just always it's never a a pleasant experience for anyone involved. They're always just like, why are you torturing me? I'm hurt or I, I'm sick and I can't go to work and I just want to get better. And now I got to do all this stuff right. and there's timelines to meet and it's stressful. But this is one of those things. It's not your supervisor's fault when they tell you to go on SDTP. That's a, a decision well above their head. Yeah. But they are going to ask you to do that. If you're on too long, same thing. If you've been on uh, close contact leave and then catch COVID during the time, if that they'll put those together 
and if they extend longer than than 10 days they will ask you an stgp even though it's two separate things just because it's continuous i actually found the uh it's called a quarantine isolation leave or or the last year's one was the quarantine leave scenario guide for team lead so for your supervisor what happens if someone has covid and what they should do um and uh i found it interesting that the new one actually doesn't say anything about close contacts even though they're still acting like it does at least in our local they're still acting like it does like the the february 2021 one says uh this is when we had the 14 day um isolation period like what you were talking about and that just changed in january of 2022 uh following a lot of the provinces uh reduced their isolation periods as well i think about that time at least ours did but yeah so it it's it's funny because there's we've seen a lot of cases at least in our local where people have been denied quarantine uh pay or forced to use personal days instead or all kinds of stuff um now it comes up a lot that people are on annual leave when they get sick and a lot of people have asked to get their annual leave back and i mean you could debate either way whether that's valid or not uh, and maybe it depends on how much of a holiday you got to have before um <laughs> before you discovered you had covid but um or before you discovered you were exposed but um yeah like there's i've seen a lot of grievances about people being denied the pay or or having other kinds of leave used instead yeah a lot of people they're trying to use up their personal days before they put them on quarantine especially lately they've i've heard of a few people they've tried to do that to again if health authority tells you to quarantine you're on quarantine you, not personal days um yeah. for their close contact stuff uh they shouldn't have a case for that either because you're not choosing they're telling you yes and a personal day is your choice if they're telling you you have to use this they're denying you work so they can't not pay you for that so they and they can't take your personal days because you didn't take a personal day they're denying you the opportunity to work might be kind of a, a opportunity even to grieve that because they're also denying you flyer pay and whatever else you might get oh, um, rest period allowance and things like that and the contract, if you're full-time, does guarantee you a certain number of hours. Yeah, like I've seen, I mean, personally, I tested positive for COVID and still had was denied quarantine leave. And I was like, okay, hey, um, I have COVID. <laughs> but whatever, I mean, the grievance procedure will hopefully sort that out. Uh, yeah, I don't see how you're <laughs> possibly going to lose that one. That's just... <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, I've seen other people who've been... Um, told to isolate for a certain period of time and then told, well, we're not going to pay you because of this or people who've been told they don't need to isolate because public health says, no, you're good to go, uh, I, you know, monitor for symptoms, but go about your life. And Canada Post says, no, our policy is you can't come back. Right. They've been very inconsistent with the rules. Um, so they've been applying different rules to people in the exact same situation. Like there was a member who flew back from Mexico on the same flight literally the same flight as another person and they told him you can't come back to work for i can't remember how many days if it was a full 10 uh, but the other person they allowed back immediately yeah it was it was 14 days from from the flight right without any explanation as to what the difference would be well yeah there's essentially no difference because they both tested positive on a P or negative sorry on a pcr test to get on that flight right so they both had negative test results yeah and on same, the same day same location same same flight <laughs> yeah so yeah 
a little bit of randomness there. When it comes down to it, really just do whatever your supervisor um, orders you to, unless there's a health, unless there's a safety risk, and then possible look into Article thirty three thirteen, which we did a podcast on the first season. It's your right to refuse if there's a danger, which does apply if you're creating a danger too. If you have uh, any kind of legitimate risk that you might be spreading COVID, you can thirty three thirteen for creating a risk because you are a health hazard at that point if you legitimately believe for good reason that you could cause an illness uh doesn't just have to be a, a a risk to you it can be a risk to others yeah for sure and and when you use um that remember that they can't ask someone else to do the dangerous work right right and 3313 i don't know if i, I said it is your right to refuse hazardous work yeah that's the article in the collective agreement that it falls under Right. Um, RSMC's, it's Article 24. Thank you. Uh, there, there may be, if you look at these uh, scenario guides that I was talking about, there are some instances where they say that you won't get quarantine pay. So for an example is like if your child is uh, told to isolate because of uh, COVID-19, that, that they won't pay you because it's not you. But it, I find that really funny because they also say that if you're a close contact, then you will have to isolate. I don't know. Maybe they assume that you don't see your own children in your own home. But um, <laughs> it seems like you would be a close contact if your kid has COVID-19, well, right? I think what they're, they're getting at there, which they don't specifically say, is that if, you, if your kid is sick, you won't get quarantine pay. Right. But... You can, under a different or 24-something in the Urban Collective Agreement, I think it's on, if you look under special leave, one of the things it specifically says is they will give you special leave to take care of a sick family member. So if you have a sick kid in your house, yeah, you might not get quarantine pay, but they should still give you special leave. But so it, it applies paid? elsewhere. Yes. Paid special leave. Oh, okay. So it should apply under that different article, so maybe that's why it's not under here. But if it is, they should be clarifying that. But again, they might just be saying, well, they, they might just want supervisors to deny you and hoping that you don't realize that or you don't grieve or don't request. But if you're denied quarantine leave for a sick kid, uh, then definitely right away get one of those leave forms and fill it out, say special leave for uh, care of an immediate family member. And if they don't pay that, then grieve it. Also, another option that's available if, if one of these instances applies to you where they are not going to cover your, your quarantine pay uh, you might want to look into the employment insurance program because there are uh, things there for caring for sick children as well. They just, uh, they don't have the, they're waiving the waiting period for EI. Um, That's for national COVID EI, reasons. of course. We're not talking about a corporate program. Right, right. So, and you can apply for that online. It's it's really easy. Um, you just, you have to keep reporting for the length of time that you're off. But if it's just a COVID one, you probably will only have to report once and say, nope, I went back to work. But anyways, um, so if, if you're in that situation, they ask that you use any, any, uh, personal or sick days that you have from your contract before you, um, use that employment insurance. But, but it is there if you, if you don't have the, the leave balances to cover your absence, then that's another option available to you. And there's a lot of different scenarios in there that they're covering right now. It's actually really comprehensive. Yeah, and of course, everything we're saying here with the EI, with the government, and especially with the corporate policies, um, can change with... <laughs> At the drop of a hat, apparently. Yeah. Well, <laughs> everything that's really changed um, 
I've heard about usually about a week before it happens um, through the union and usually yeah. the floor has been notified at least a few days. So uh, not every time, but in general, they're notifying us a little bit ahead of time. So that's one good thing. I feel like maybe there's some people who are questioning whether they really have, whether Canada Post has really failed that badly. And uh, I want to kind of, I know we talked about when our plant had a bit of a, an outbreak. It probably depends some by region and city. Uh, I know here it's a, it's a lot of talk. And a lot of, oh, we're taking things really serious. But even things like uh, capacity signs were up in the depot for two or three days before they took them down to paint and refused to put them back up. Like, that's pretty minimal signage, and they won't do it. A lot of the response has been, it makes no sense, or it's it's heavy-handed one day and then ridiculously late the next. Uh, like, remember when they took our toaster and our coffee maker because we couldn't share things in the lunchroom? Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of... And then they, they emptied all the cupboards and they put tape on them and... Even the tape now, lasted two days as well. Yeah. Even now, they, they the other day, remember, we went in the lunchroom and they tied... Um, caution tape around the chairs so that people couldn't take extra chairs down because our capacity is 12. Yep. Just the random enforcement rules is crazy. Like in our depot, they're making you wear yellow vests in a non-mechanized facility. And you know, the procedure for yellow vests says you have to wear them in mechanized facilities, which we are not, but they want to be super strict on this. You have to wear them. You have to be zippered up at all times, even in your case. Mm -hmm. There is no policy for this. This is just something they decided to come down on yet they won't enforce very basic COVID things. And again, it's just so they can show off their authority, I think, without mm. actually doing anything useful. You know, it's a lot of a show. It's like, oh, look how serious we take safety. But at the same time, if it costs them a dime or causes them any trouble, they're not going to bother. Hmm. I had a really good idea when I was thinking about um, the disinfection of facilities and stuff, and it occurred to me that that is... Uh, an argument for the four-day work week because if COVID only survives up to 72 hours on surfaces and everybody was out of the facility for 72 hours every weekend, ah, every weekend, deep clean, no COVID surviving. There you go. (laughs) One thing they have done good, at least in Saskatoon, is they've supplied uh, alcohol wipes or sanitizing wipes. Oh, hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer to every individual. They're at every case. Yep, they're on every lunchroom table. Yeah, so I don't wipe my case down. They want you to do it daily. I don't do that, but fairly regularly. But you and, could. Yeah, and any day where I don't think I'm going to be there or the next day, if I have some meeting or something to do, or if whatever reason I know I'm not going to be there, then I will wipe it down really well. It's available. And it's right there. So if the next person is questioning whether it was cleaned or not, they can just grab a wipe and wipe it. Yeah. yeah. Again, it took them way too long to do that in the first place. So a lot of people asking, they were denying it. But when they did, they did it quite thoroughly and there's no shortage of supply now mm. it took them a very yeah. long time to do that and they have gloves too because uh i know what i i found at the beginning of the pandemic that i was using a lot more sanitizer and a lot more cleaning products and my skin was just screaming at me because it was like no your hands hurt all the time you know and and it, maybe you also work outside and you find that your skin gets really dry in the winter mm. so it's just it was a bad combination of things um I want to mention that, uh, like we talked about the outbreak in our plant in December of 2020, um, but there are a number of facilities that have had some really, really large outbreaks, uh, most notably um, Gateway 
in uh, Mississauga has had a couple of them uh, last year. The first one in January of 2021 uh, saw upwards of 300 cases, like confirmed positive cases. Actually had a member, uh, Mr. Godfrey Young, died uh, during that outbreak. Um, the, uh, the Peel Public Health uh, authority actually forced the facility to shut down shift one for a number of days to to do a reset essentially to to stop the transmission that was happening at work um there are more than 4500 employees who work in that facility it took a couple of days i believe for the canada post technology was a workplace incident there too oh totally i, I don't yeah. know how you could possibly deny that but. yeah and then uh that same facility uh they had another outbreak three months later where they had over a dozen positive cases and uh, upwards of 80 people isolating, which was not nearly as large as the first outbreak, but I mean, that had to be scary to go through it again. Um, and I think what's really telling is that in that, in the period uh, of the year leading up to that, uh, ESDC had been called in multiple times to investigate that facility. Uh, there were several refusals to work. Uh, they performed worksite inspections to check for prevention, uh, procedures and especially after um, the death of the member uh, we don't know exactly how many times they were there or how many investigations went on but yeah that like and that's not the only facility I mean there there's been other outbreaks um, I, I know even in our local they've argued some people have argued lately that our uh, some of our depots maybe should have been declared outbreak situations um, we had one period where eight eight uh in january where eight members at the east depot alone tested positive and i know at one point i looked at the staffing sheets and there were 10 in the west and this was this was all in january of this year and the west only has 50 employees right so to have one one in five out is a huge ratio um one thing i thought i'd point out real quick is all these rules are national rules in saskatchewan here even though we're reporting uh record high numbers of cases they're ending the mask mandate at the end of the month. So I've had a lot of employees uh, come and tell me that they can't wait to the end of the month where they don't have to wear a mask. That's for public. Inside yeah. the corporation, that's a national mandate. The corporation will decide. And they're asking when that'll happen. I'm guessing whenever the uh, federal rules for federal employees change or when the last province lists theirs. Uh, I'm thinking as long as one province requires it, they'll probably have it across the board. Yeah. But it's also, you know, Knowing the corporation, if they get to the point where they might have to reorder supplies and don't want to spend the other pennies, they might say, okay, we have <laughs> that an excuse. That saves us, their cheapness. Yeah. But for now, the point is, is that it's a national <laughs> mandate. It doesn't follow any local government mandate. Right. Um, unless the local mandate is stronger, you would have to go with that. And you should be forcing the employer to go with that. As far as the mandatory masking and stuff goes, that'll end when national says it ends, essentially. Yeah, I I don't really think that we're going to see an end to that right away, but I'm glad you brought up the um the different uh, how the provinces are easing restrictions cuz yeah, we're kind of seeing it across the board and I I've heard a lot of people I actually read a uh <laughs> a, a thing today and it was a friend of mine called it um like like taking off a parachute because it's already slowed your um your descent. Yeah, you're still a thousand feet up. Yeah, but you're but, slow. So but it's you're good. slower, so it, now is a good time to take off the parachute and just you know see what happens. It's done its job. 
Um, but yeah, so we're seeing a, kind of across the province, they're increasing gathering capacity limits. Um, in some places, they're reducing the restrictions on businesses like restaurants. Uh, in Saskatchewan, they just stopped reporting numbers. That was their solution. Yep. Um, they've stopped testing. So most of the cases aren't being detected in the first place. It's really hard to get a PCR test now here in Saskatchewan. And the, I understand that's true in a lot of places. But the people that were reporting to the government are still reporting to the Regina Leader Post. And the last day I heard, they were at 471 new cases in one day. And huh. that's only confirmed. And they haven't worked in the system that there's a delay. So very only a fraction of them are actually getting through that day. If you want the true numbers, you got to go back or got to recheck them three or four days later. So it'd be higher than 471. Hmm. Um, for some reason, Quebec is the only province that reports up to the day data. So I'm sure there's a reason for that delay. delay. I shouldn't just be dumping on the SAS government. Um, I don't know why Quebec is so much more efficient, but every other province has a couple days delay. Saskatchewan is, of course, the worst. And we have the worst numbers, even if you ignore that delay um, per capita. You'll hear our premier saying, well, we have the lowest count reported today. It's like, yeah, because you're not reporting today. <laughs> and also we have a, like our population, like the total of our population is so much less, right? Well, that's the thing. Per capita, <laughs> per we are capita. By, by far the worst. Yeah. If you look at the weekly numbers instead of the daily. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's with some missing because only Quebec, for whatever reason, reports up to the, the day data. Um, yeah, um, it's it's really telling that that we're seeing all of this rollback of the of the restrictions when um Ontario and Quebec and a lot of other places reported record numbers of cases uh in the week after New Year's and maybe that's just because of the Christmas gatherings and the New Year's gatherings and whatever but I mean when you're um I can't remember one of them was like 13,000 cases that week I think that was Ontario and it was 17 in Quebec or something like that maybe vice versa but like just staggering numbers and here we are we're a month later and they're saying okay let's end all these all the we're we're no longer checking for vaccine vaccines we're no longer making people um present them to get into businesses we're no longer having limits we're we're going to reduce the spacing between tables the only reason I can think of is more people are getting COVID, but Omicron is less severe. So even though there's a for higher most, number. For most people. Um, yeah, I was talking to a nurse a few weeks ago, and the scariest thing was she was talking about children, and children will get it, and they will appear fairly mild because their immune system fights it off so much better. But then eventually their immune system just collapses, mm-hmm. and it takes hours or a day Um and previously, very few kids died of COVID. Um, and now, there's not a lot, but there's a few. Um, I think uh, she worked in ER and I think she said there was two that month. So. And my sister-in-law had a seven-year-old in her school. She's a teacher. Um, the, the kid was fine until the night before and then passed away the next morning. Awful. So, yeah, it's not something we should be taking lightly. I've heard it said that that... that us calling Omicron a, a milder version is is an ableist uh, approach to things when there we don't really know why some people uh, are affected more than others and we we like to tell ourselves that you know those of us who are young and healthy are going to be okay I just called myself young <laughs> haven't done that in a while it's yeah. not just the corporation that lies <laughs> anyhow um 
Yeah, like we we like to think, okay, we're gonna be okay. We're we got our shots. We're we're pretty healthy. We don't have any underlying conditions. We're gonna be fine. But we really don't know that. There, it's very unpredictable. And I've talked to people who've had four shots of vaccine who still um, were totally taken down by it for weeks mm-hmm. at a time. And then there's other people who had one dose or no doses, and they're totally fine. So on the bright side, it's impossible to say for sure. But there are quite a few experts saying this will hopefully be the last big wave. Um, there'll be other bumps, but unless a totally new variant comes up, you know, it's going to be a while before this wave ends because it's a big one. But when it passes, hopefully we'll be in a better spot. I have doubts, but I want to believe because I think it's better for our mental health. <laughs> yeah. And again, that's far, that's one of those things where it's, it's, hopefully but no scientist is saying that's the way it is yeah so um i was trying to find numbers for like the total number of canada post employees no Um, there's no way they would plus a lot of times they're saying oh this isn't really a canada post case so i don't think real numbers yeah even if they exist they would release them yeah i don't know but hey if anyone from uh like national health and safety has those numbers i'd love to see them um (laughs) The other thing I couldn't find that I wanted to find was a couple of weeks ago, I came across a document about how Canada Post planned to roll back our our pandemic measures, but I can no longer find that document. And it, so if anyone has that, please, please, please send it to us at overburdenpod at gmail.com. Or use that same address for any comments, complaints, or suggestions. Um, yeah, or, you know, even if you have your own reflections about the pandemic or how your experience of how the corporation has treated you during it. I'm interested in hearing that too. Until then, um, stay safe, keep your mask on, and uh, look after each other.